are back. We are back. Welcome to Match Point number nine of Tennis Bets Podcast. I am one of three hosts here, David EJ Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on Twitter and Instagram. If this is your first time listening, chance starts how you found us. Welcome, hello. And if you're a returning listener, a returning champion, welcome back. With me, as always, is my number one tennis talking bro, Derek. Derek, hello. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, If you're one of those clay haters, you know what? This is the time of the year that you're going to actually start liking clay. We're all forced to watch this, but you're just going to start liking it. So I'm pretty stoked. I'm not the biggest clay guy, but now that it's here, I'm pretty excited to do this. Let's go. You're not a clay master. I'm not a clay master. No, I'm not. No, Sarundalo. But yeah, I'm more of a uh, a Jack Draper, I guess. Picked up a nice dog win today. We will get into that. With us once again, Mr. John Reed. You can find him at Jared Tweets Tennis on Twitter. You can find his own brand at Tidbits Tennis. He does betting content for the Action Network, betting expert, Hammer HQ, and he does tennis form recaps. John, welcome back. Good to be back. Good to talk some Monte Carlo. I'm very excited to uh, talk about Monte Carlo, but first, uh, as this is a betting podcast, uh, we like to be transparent. We like to do a little recap of what we talked about last time and what did we win, what did we learn. Let's start with uh, ATP Estoril. First off, what did we learn? I learned that I mispronounced this not once but twice in the last podcast, so uh, good job by me <laughs> on pronouncing that side's name. Um, but what did we win? How about the outright? Uh, we said this was Rude's to lose uh, and vulturing a 250 when no one is looking is Rude's bread and butter. Well, he didn't lose and he buttered that bread. He's still around plus 185 before the bias match to win this. So some value was to be had there if you listen to this podcast. Match play to Pata Morales. Money line in the over 22 and a half versus Hubie Hercash Cash. That John Reed special. A dog in the over. Talks about it a lot on this podcast, and that one came in. Hubie has since added uh, more tie breaks to his 2023 season in the match against Jera, round one of Monte Carlo. John also was right on the team money line versus Ben Shelton, but we did learn a little bit on that. I had the Shelton side, uh, and we we talked up the over, which did not come in. And I learned, yes, the team can still win matches, although my C team fade team strategy was effective in team's next match versus Helly. So I was just around early on that one. <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh team fired his coach after that, but he did picked up a win today against Cascade and Monte Carlo. So off to a hot start for team this week. I also lost on RBA versus Halise. The good lesson here, I think, uh, while Halise uh, wasn't displaying a traditional clay court game last week, he was serving big, hitting big, ending points, wasn't sloppy on return, just playing some solid tennis. And uh, that's going to carry some of these guys in matchups uh, where on paper you're saying, hey, you know, the other side of this, this matchup is more the clay player. And, uh, you know, backing the traditional clay guy is probably going to be good conventional wisdom for the next few weeks here. But a lot of times, but not every time, okay? Because some guys are just going to be playing some solid tennis. So make sure, you know, before you just blind take the clay player, you know uh, what kind of form uh, you're betting against. Halise uh, was a, a good bet all week, uh, even covered as a four-game dog against Rude. John, what did you think of Halise's uh, run? I think you put it excellently when you said that solid, like it, he doesn't stand out. He's not going to absolutely blow you away. Uh, he might with pace, like his shots might blow you off the court uh, because he does have power, but he's just so solid and he could do so much with that forehand. I don't think he gets enough credit for it. Um, if you watch that match back, a lot of times that ball he was taking, there was some depth that came at him from, actually it was not even just that one match, throughout the event really. A lot of balls into his feet that he was able to take almost on a short hop and still put back 
fairly flat too, which was odd for for being on a clay court surface. He he wouldn't he didn't do what most would do in that spot and and try and hit with a ton of spin, buy himself some time to get you know recovered back to the center of the court and and end up getting that with even a bit of depth. That that's still attackable. He was actually able to get those back so effectively and keep his opponent on their back foot or away from being able to really pressure him. I think that's something he does very very well. And he, he again, it looks very fundamental. His game looks pretty straightforward. But there are aspects to it where he makes it really tough to attack him unless you do it behind your serve and you've got him on the back foot right off the bat. So I think he's a really, really fun player to watch, to be honest. I, that's uh, I, I, that, My takeaway from him is, as you said, very solid, but there are some small things to his game that make him really stand out. Dude, I can't believe that he did that, though. But he's getting his name on the board and no, now he's somebody to watch for sure. I wouldn't say I'm blind, you know, chasing him moving forward, but uh, he's certainly on the radar and someone I'm... I'm paying attention to when he hits the slates. I learned to put my clown makeup on once again with Rodionov plus one and a half sets at minus 130 versus Kishmanovich. One set, guy won a single game. Horrible take by me. That said, I did uh, course correct, backed him versus Zapata Morales, Kishmanovich, that is, and then got back on the fade train in the final versus Rude. So, you know, you, you got to be a little fluid. All right, uh, ATP Marrakesh uh, wins. Dan Evans money line plus 135. The pop fade came in nice and easy. Thank you. How about Pavel Kotov? One outright as a three and a half game dog versus Ben Bonzi. We talked that one up. One is next match too versus O'Connell. Kotov doing it for the big boys. Would love to see it. The clean plate club. Card carrying member myself. Uh, love Kotov. What did we learn though? Uh, did a lot of learning at the site. <laughs> Bodick was bad for us. Talked about a single unit to win half a unit there. Him as a parlay leg. Well, he officially got parlay legs banned from the show <laughs> with that performance. Uh, talked up Greek Spore as an outright. He lost to eventual champion RCB. We chased Passero as a dog versus Mueller. Mueller goes to the final. It was a, a weird sight, a weird week. I think the big takeaway for me is when you have these depleted fields and the, and the favorites aren't that great either, when you had Bodic and Greeksport and Musetti was the, the top seed, solid opportunity to, to pocket those longer shots on the out, outright market. Any uh, any big takeaways from you with Marrakesh, John? My takeaway from that event was I didn't even know it was only four hours ahead of me until like the Friday. I thought they were like in the European time zone. They're in like the Icelandic time zone. So they, they, I was like, why is this not five o'clock in the morning start times? And I was pleasantly surprised when I found that out. Outside of that, I didn't really give two you-know-whats about that event. Not, I, I didn't find many compelling matches. I found Estoril to be really entertaining. I found watching the, the rain soak the court in Houston to be as entertaining as Marrakesh, uh, to be honest with you. <laughs> Well, let's talk about Houston real quick. We didn't talk about Houston much on our last pod, so we won't go too deep now either. But uh, we did say some smart things, like the final would be some combination of Tiafo or Isner versus Tommy Paul or Echeverry. And hey, it was Tiafo versus Echeverry. I'd say a solid week for both players, but it was a solid weekend, actually. <laughs> it <Yeah>. was <laughs> the Echeverry rollover as a dog and short favorite was a, was a solid bright spot for me this weekend as my Masters futures uh, all got burned up, so... I was able to recoup some non-tennis losses. Even covered the three in the, the final at Chiberi. Tiafa wins title number two, pulls out of Monte Carlo, and that's it. Oh, I also, I guess I did, I, I, I forgot. I had, I think I said to back Giron versus uh, Mahach. Giron goes 0 for 9 on breakpoint, loses in straights. <laughs> Thank you. 
Marcos. Okay, well, let's keep it moving to ATP Monte Carlo and do a little overview here. On the border of Monaco, but technically in France, lies the Monte Carlo Country Club, one of the most gorgeous sites on tour. You have to love this time of year. Beautiful locales versus, say, the Dallas Open, which is not aesthetically pleasing from a venue site and the, the play. I'm not to knock on Dallas Open. It was actually a pretty fun week, but still. Bit of an upgrade here in terms of uh, aesthetics. The tournament has been around since 1897, so it's rich with history in addition to the eye-popping scenery. Stefano Tsitsipas is your back-to-back reigning champ. Last year, he beat Davidovich Rokina 6-3-7-6, and in 2021, he beat Andre Rublev 6-3-6-3. Fabio Fonini won in 2019. And before that, Nadal dominated this event, winning 11 times, except for Djokovic in 2015 and 2013, and Marinka in 2014. Marinka has a win this week already. Traditionally one of, if not the slowest clay court of the season. John, uh, you want to talk about some some court speed here? Yeah, just it's it's slow, right? Like clay <laughs> doesn't always have to be slow. You can have the hard true green stuff or the hard true stuff in Houston that is produced. We talked about this last week uh, a bit that can produce uh, some faster court conditions. Monte Carlo is not that. I mean, even Barcelona, I think historically has, has been a little more rewarding um, to guys who would prefer it to be a little quicker. Madrid in altitude, these kinds of things do happen. The Mexican challengers uh, from the last few weeks, Monte Carlo is not that it is seaside. It is, Pretty slow. I think they they must dump a ton of clay on those courts. And it'll be an interesting week because we'll get into the draw talk, but Novak Djokovic has a bit of a split history here. So I'm, I think I'm really intrigued to see how he fares. I don't think it matters whether it's slow or fast for him. Obviously, Roland Garros is very slow, has had success there in the past, has had success here in the past, but it's been a while. So I, it'll be really interesting to see how everything fares or everything plays out. Steph Sitsipas, someone to watch this week as well, because uh, we know he likes the slower conditions so that backhand isn't rushed. He still has the power to hit through the courts and he said technically you know quoting him i don't not exact quote but he said the pain he's pain free now after um that sunshine which makes sense because we saw that backhand get back to a little bit uh more of a sense of normalcy as the sunshine double went on or as he as each match he played at the sunshine double kind of wore on we saw him get back to a bit more normalcy with that backhand but really interesting because he's got a nice half of the draw the main center court is uh court renier the third uh, which holds just over 10,000 people. Crowds are active today and at the site so far. So always check your court path too, you know, as a thousand events. So there's going to be guys are going to be playing on a bunch of different courts. So if someone's had a couple matches on a court and a, a guy's coming on to uh, that same court, hasn't played on it yet, might might be a little different feel. might be an edge. Weather looks to be probably cloudy, high 60s with a chance of rain on Thursday. So something to keep in mind. Uh, big headline so far. It's been solid for the dogs. Nico Hari. Closes as the dog versus Chorich wins outright. Husler and Jera lose but cover. Bodic, Draper, Popper, and Bonzi, Warinka, Sarundalo, Gokov all win outright as dogs. You love to see it. Let's jump into some outright talk. Novak Djokovic, uh, two-time winner here. He is the the favorite at minus 110 to win this thing. Uh, the back-to-back champ and Sitsipas is plus 600. Center is 10 to 1. Rude, 11 to 1. Med, 12 to 1, which I think is insane. He's not going to win this. Now he's going to fucking win it now that I just said that. <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> Jinx him, please. Unli- unlikely to win. Rublev, 14 to 1. Runa, 14 to 1. Zverev, 20 to 1. Fritz, 28 to 1. Some uh, deeper dives here. Dimitrov is 50 to 1. Uh, Warinka, 65 to 1. RBA, 50 to 1. Man, Nico Hari, 50 to 1. Berrettini, 65. Wow. He was an 80 at Unibet yesterday. 
<laughs> I almost took it, but I was like, no. That's pretty much the top. We don't know Sitsipas's health here, but you have to think as the the back to back champion, uh, and you're getting him at you know six to one. If he's able to get to the final, maybe something happens with Djokovic. He's gonna be a pretty uh, heavy favorite. Whoever he probably plays in that final, Sitsipas. If Djokovic is gone, there has to be some value on Sitsipas at plus six hundred. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I'm already on him. I got him at um, plus. 650 i think i'm just trying to convert the numbers again yeah 7.50 oh he was plus 700 at one point about 365 didn't bet it till he's down to plus 650 love that uh especially if he's pain free the draw sets up well i mean look at that quarter for him. like one he's gonna have the ability to kind of work his way into the tournament if there is a slight bit of discomfort or he's still trying to get used to everything yeah his first match may not be the easiest i mean it's not like i'm worried about ben bonesy and he might start a bit slow but i'm, I'm happy to see bonesy there over zapata Miralles, right and then nico hari could be tough and could rush the backhand potentially even on clay but outside of that like taylor fritz yuri lahechka stan vavrinka mm. and then what in the other in the other quarter in, in this half of the draw like you have casper rude off a long week who's had trouble really beating the top end guys uh, in these slower conditions. I don't think he has, you know, he's got a great forward. I don't think it's better than Sitsi passes. He's got a decent first serve. It's not better than Sitsi passes. He's got a poor backhand and Sitsi passes backhand is better. What does Casper do to trouble Stefano Sitsi pass? I don't know. Maybe those heavy, heavy topspin balls inside out from the forehand to Sitsi passes backhand might be a little successful serve to that backhand potentially with, with a heavier ball. Other than that, it's just, it looks like a great draw. If he is pain-free, as he says, this is his half to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I would say, though, too, you know, I, I would avoid any outright futures on anyone in the, the Djokovic side of the bracket because in all likelihood, this guy's going to steamroll his way to the final. What do what you Well, uh... Uh, I mean, so from I think 2008 to 2015, he made the semifinals or better every single year in Monte Carlo. That's good. That's that's pretty damn, you know, that shows a history of success. He hasn't made the semifinal though since that that 2015 or 2016 year. I looked this up the other day. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but he has not been past the quarterfinals in five or six years here. So there is an element of he typically starts his clay season in Monte Carlo. And I wonder, I almost wonder if there's an adjustment period. I know there shouldn't yeah. be for the greatest of all time. He's historically great on clay. He's won a French mm-hmm. Open multiple i think multiple times he's won rome multiple like he's won all the biggest events on clay he shouldn't have the need to get back up to speed but the fact is he has not been great here in since you know for the last at least six or seven years now there was a year where it didn't happen there was a year where obviously there were two years where he hadn't played much prior not just on clay but in general because of you know his stances on certain things and his ability to get into certain countries um that kind of hampered him in 21 22 so i think 2023 is a bit different now that he's got you know, more matches and, and tournaments under his belt. I think three, but still, that's more than, you know, years past. So who knows? I do think he's still the obvious favorite. But it, 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 there is some something to suggest that for some reason or another, I'm not huge on trends without context, but it has happened year after year now. And I'm just wondering if perhaps he's he's uses this tournament to get up to speed, doesn't mind if he doesn't win it as long as he's ready for Madrid-Rome French Open. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that Djokovic is more susceptible to lose in a three-set match than a five-set match. That said, I mean, and, and I I think that's all great information you just laid out, but who's going to beat him, though? Sinner? Oh, so, uh, yeah, that's the only one. I have yeah. an outright on Sinner just for the purpose. He was plus 1,200. That's ridiculous. He has the power from the baseline. He has the ability to stick in long rallies. He has 
you know, the, the requisite game to beat Djokovic. And if Djokovic is going to struggle to get up to speed again, I do like Sinner. That's the only thing I like, and it's a very small wager. And if you're going to take Sinner's quarter, or if you think he's going to beat him, just take his outright instead of his quarter, because I don't think the second quarter is nearly as strong. Um, so I would just take the plus 1,200. You know who's beaten both Sissi Pass and Djokovic here, though? The man that can't win this event. A certain Daniil Medvedev has won here at this event on clay against Tsitsipas and Djokovic in the past. Fun fact, probably not going to happen again. If he beats both of those guys back-to-back to win the title, I mean, we deserve to look like idiots for saying he can't win it. But uh, just a little uh, little fun fact as to who could beat Djokovic. I mean, it's going to be a tough slog. It's going to be a little bit tougher for Med here than uh, in Miami, that's for sure. I mean, well, I think Sinego can give Med a match. I think we we're staring down another Zverev. Zverev med on a surface even more conducive to Zverev than I think Indian Wells was yeah well let's use Zverev as the pivot into the quarter prices because you know he came up short for us last time but Zverev plus 450 to win the second quarter I think is is pretty good if he shows up and and he he plays to his ability now it it will be interesting to see and we'll we'll talk about this as we dive into the match talks but like you know what's it going to be like for him to be back on clay with his footwork coming off the injury I think it's going to be a little bit. You wonder if there's a mental thing there, too. I wonder. We can't say for sure, but would this not, is this his first event back on clay since that injury? Yes. Hmm. I wonder, I wonder if that'll play a role. Like, does he have that in the back of his mind as he tries to slide the first or second time he goes to slide or throughout that first match? It'll be interesting. Med is the, the favorite in that second quarter at plus 225. Runa is at plus 250, which I think is. Pretty short for how he's been playing this year so far. Dolo is plus 700. RBA, who has uh, pulled out a comeback today, is plus 800. Berrettini plus 900. Dami team, 11 to 1 to win that. Oof. I, you're still, I feel like Zverev's going to get back. You know what I mean? He's going to be like a top player, a top five player. You think that's uh, going to happen this week? I don't know. But at the third shot on the board just for the quarter, and all he's got to do is beat Aruna or Medvedev on clay. Now he's got to beat Bublik in round one. We'll get into that, which I think he probably <laughs> will. Bublik's kind of has his number, not necessarily on clay, but yeah, he has known to be t- tossing around Zverev. Well, I want to so. talk about that match here in a minute. So now center in the, the first quarter at plus 350, the only thing about that is, like, what what is he going to be when he plays Djokovic, like, head-to-head? I mean, I feel like he's going to be close to plus 200. So it's kind of yeah. short for center at plus 350. And then the third quarter, Rude at plus 175, Rublev at plus Oof. 220. ADM, third favorite, plus 550? What? I mean, Volkino was in the final here last year. I mean, if he gets out of this round one match, he's 10-1? to 1? I would rather take Hatchinoff, though. One, he's longer in the market than ADF is. And he starts off. So if, if ADF is the dog and you've got hatched off minus 120 and an ADF around plus 100 or minus mm-hmm. 102 or whatever, the rollover, they're going to play. They have to play the same route. How is ADF shorter in the quarter market than catching off when hatching off is shorter in the individual market exactly. they're going to play the exact same path so your rollover would imply that hatching off should be the underdog here which is a little interesting yeah but uh that said keep in mind adf was not physically 100 against checkinato he had the trainer out once to the court and he oh. took an off-court mto in his last match in estoril Okay. Uh, both things worth keeping in mind. It's the only reason I didn't take him at 10 to 1 to win the corner. It's the only reason why I'm probably going to play Hachanov here over him because um, they're both volatile. They both have power. We'll get into the individual matchup stuff, but uh, that it, that potential injury concerns me. 
Okay. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I almost just bet freaking uh, Fokina just strictly based off that Indian Wells match with that backhand duo duel. I like, I think Hatchinov actually has a good backhand, but Fokina's like backhand just like got him off the court the entire time. So anyway, back to the quarters. But I I have to say though, look at these overs. The Vera plus four fifty is probably my my favorite uh, quarter sprinkle. Uh, I think these odds are are just nothing that juicy to me. I mean, Rude is going to get a rematch of Bodic, and he's plus one seventy five for the quarter. He's off a long week, a title. He already, I mean, I don't know. It's just, and then I can't get enthused about Rublev. Well, okay, maybe let's right. let's dig into this actually. Now that I'm talking, so if we don't like, if we toss out Rude right off a long week, toss out Rublev who we don't like, and ADM Demonor plus five fifty, we obviously don't like that. So maybe there is something for the Hachanov twelve to one ADF ten to one, and that's why you just you just laid out exactly why I took Hachanov uh, at sixty six to one on the outright market overall on the weekend it got before matches today it was 80 to 1 and i was kicking myself for not uh if i could have just had it's not a, a big it's a 0.1 unit bet i'm not expecting a to win this event i just think this is the if, if you're going to target a long shot target this quarter rublev is better on clay than he used to be still not a clay quarter rude's off a long week doesn't mean anything he should still win this quarter but i'm not betting i'm not predicting who's going to win the quarter i'm trying to evaluate right the percentages here i think rude's a tad overvalued for a guy that is coming off a title in long week and i I don't think has many titles above the 250 level, if any, in his career. So worth keeping in mind. I think this is where you do have to focus on the long shots uh, in this quarter. And that matchup between Davidovich, Fokina, and Hachanov is is probably the one you want to focus on to take uh, whichever long shot you like. All right, guys, let's dive into some uh, some matchups here, some round one, round two stuff here. And, and let's keep the Zverev talk going because he's coming in as a four and a half game favorite against alexander bublik he's minus 550 on the money line bublik is plus 390 as a dog the total is um a little down here at 21 bublik is actually 2-0 head-to-head now both indoor but and bublik is 2-9 on clay last year but one of those wins was here at monte carlo last year versus Morinka in a three-setter and he did take a set off boost in the next round before he retired in the third. I wanted to like blindly attack the under 21 here with Severa, but now I, I, I'm i a little bit on pause with Bublik having a, a little success on clay at, at this event in particular and Severa testing out, um, you know, his fitness for the first time back on clay. Maybe it's a pass match, but I feel like I want to back Zverev some somehow, some way here. I mean, like I said, it has Bublik. I've said this before, but I don't really bet Bublik matches because I don't know where it's going to go. And then one time we were chatting, uh, we were talking about the differences between betting and gambling. And I said betting is like making a, a methodical decision on what you're going to bet on. Like you, you're going to predict how it's going to go. And I said gambling is like betting on Bublik. And this is just another case of that. Like, I, I don't really know which way this is going to go. Bublik can beat him, but he probably won't. Four and a half games. It's kind of a lot just to just, just to guess where Bublik's going to be. I mean, they've juiced this so much, right? Like, they they don't, the market has pretty much knocked this down. I, I don't know how you can bet Zverevitz. Like, he's over minus 500 or at minus 500 at Pinnacle. That's the best in market. Like, Four and a half games. I guess the four and a half. I, I, I actually think he should probably be five or five and a half games here, considering Bublik's penchant to just throw in the towel if he's behind. Like yeah. there's a bit of a mistake here. They've they've got Zverev as the overwhelming favorite to win the match, which is a correct price, minus 500, minus 600, something in that range. 
But I don't think that I think they've just taken their typical correlation in men's tennis from minus 500 to their spread, right? Usually minus 200 equals this spread, minus two, et cetera, et cetera. And they just go down the line and it's almost like correlated uh, when they release it and the market generally bets it as such. But it's like even money at minus four and a half. I think considering it's on clay where Bublik serve doesn't play as well, Bublik hates the clay and he has that volatile attitude. I think you should probably, like they should have, what am I saying here? Instead of going with the typical correlation, done some uh, qualitative adjustment there and, and made that an even larger number. I think that should be five or five and a half. I'd actually don't hate Zverev here at minus four and a half. I wouldn't touch him on the money line as a parlay piece, just value-wise, but I, I think the four and a half actually looks pretty intriguing. And the 2-0 bet they have juiced up as well. It's minus 170. So if you are um, looking to play Zverev, I, I do think laying the four and a half, if you like the Zverev side, is, is a much better play than the 2-0 sets. But well, man, that's, but- it's minus 145 at Pinnacle. So like price shopping, mm. uh, okay, always that's do that's your... Bad. If, yeah, if you've got Pinnacle, the, the rest of the market that I use that I see here is generally in that minus 160 range. So uh, close to where, you, where you're seeing, I'm guessing, Bavada there? Yes, correct. Yeah. So yeah, uh, if always check your prices because if you got a minus 145, I actually don't hate that either. What about like... A quarter unit, half unit on Bublik, set one money line plus two thirty. Maybe Zverev okay. stumbles out of the gate. I'm not going anywhere near backing Bublik on clay against Alex Zverev. All right, I, there's nothing we talked it out, which I think is informative to the audience. But I, I don't really have a play I'm passionate about on that one. Something I do want to play is uh, I want to play Ben Shelton. I, he, he's he's continuing <laughs> to be a, a a really bad ROI player for me, but uh, man. Plus four and a half and plus 120 just to win a set versus Dimitrov, who's coming on to clay for the first time. Shelton has a few matches now on clay between singles and doubles. So, I mean, he's getting a lot of run on the surface. Dimitrov, obviously, you know, the veteran, more talented player. But I think, I mean, I just, I feel like this is an overreaction to team beating up Shelton uh, last week. I think Dimitrov can stumble out of the gate here. Uh, like I mentioned with Zverev a second ago, I was looking at the set one money line for Shelton is plus 245. Oh, look at my chops here to, to bet me some Shelton, but I'm not sure how I want to do it. Can he get a set? I feel like the four and a half might be the way to go. Gets to a tie break. If he loses in straights, I feel like he can get to a tie break. 6-4, John's shaking his head. It sounds like he's all over Dimitrov. Well, no, 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 no. But you know my theory on this. If you like the, if you think he gets like a 7-5 or 7-6, Set in there, and it's a heavy underdog. Just take the over. It's only 21 for the same price as plus four and a half. So you get to a third set, you're in the clear. You get a first set tie break, you can actually lose the four and a half, still hit the over, right? Um, or, or push the over at seven, six, six, two. I, I just think if, again, if you like Shelton, I said this against team. If you like Shelton, I think the over's probably a good look too, because he's just not that great of a returner. I was thinking the same line as you. I, I was actually thinking Shelton was a little, like, not disrespected because he is terrible on clay, but let's remember he's still got a loopy forehand that he can rely on to reset points and play defensively. He's still got a big serve, and Dimitrov is still Grigor freaking Dimitrov on return. Like, yeah, Dimitrov should be a strong favorite. There's no doubt. Belgian Shelton has a couple matches to his career on this surface. But, like, I don't know, man. I kind of think that Shelton has has a decent chance to win like four or five games in each set and potentially push it three if Dimitrov implodes mentally in one service game. That's all you need. I just, again, I think the over here probably looks better than the four and a half. There's the, t- the only times that you're going to cash four and a half and not hit the over are when your underdog wins in straight sets 
like six four six four seven five six no seven five six four cash is the over. It's got to be six four six four, right? And the dog has to win. Do you think Shelton's winning this in out outright in straight sets and keeping this match under? I, I don't think so. I don't think there's a great chance that he could fade in a third set or lose a set six too long the way in a three set loss. So I don't know. I think the over is probably the better route here. I like that. I think I'm probably going to play the plus one and a half sets uh, at or the sets. Yeah. At plus one twenty, you might look at the, the the over two and a half as well. Lorenzo Sonego is a three game favorite over the Frenchman Hugo Umbert. Sonego is a minus one eighty five money line favorite. Uh, Umbert is plus one fifty seven as a dog. Total is twenty two and a half here. I- I'm a full pass on this match because I, I feel like this is a-, a scenario where Sonego looks really juicy as a, a three game fave here, and then it's going to go to two tie breaks or something or. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you I also a, have zero passion for Umber. <laughs> you can get it minus two and a half at minus one twenty-five, which isn't mm-hmm. too bad. Yeah, you can get a minus one twenty. I think uh, bet three six five. I know this because I've been staring at it for the last <laughs> four freaking hours. I'm not even kidding. I'm like, ah, do I pull the trigger? Nah. And I've got the odds portal tab up. I close whenever I place a bet. I close the tab so I know what I'm still considering. That tab has been yeah. open all all day, all day. <laughs> I've been staring at it for only one minute and I felt like that was too long too. Four hours, dude. Yeah, you need to go on a walk, bucko. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I've just been sitting at my computer just staring straight forward at one tab for four hours. John, do your work, you idiot. Stop staring at a betting page. <laughs> Are we all passing on this one? No. Yeah. I'll no, still I'm keep play. staring at it though, but yeah, I'm uh, passing. Yeah. Oh, I'm you're going to play? Sinego. I'm playing. I just. I, I, I want to issue. It, yeah. Like, it's one of those matches where. It's either, do you trust your number? Do you trust your gut? How do you weight like your numbers versus your gut? I have this as a three to three and a half game uh, spread and it's priced as a two and a half to three. It's a pretty big half game in men's tennis difference from three to three and a half or two and a half to three. You know what I mean? Like that, that's kind of a big freaking deal, especially with a server like Umber if you're opposing him. So I do think there's value there. I think Senegal's more comfortable on clay. He's got more spin to his game. He's got more margin for error. He can match the serve. He's just at least three games. I have him three and a half better than Umber. And I rarely buy that half game, but I actually think that two and a half at minus 120 is, is actually probably the better number than the minus three, which is so rare for me to say. But I think I have to play this. I'm not going to like it. I'm not going to be enthusiastic when I hit submit. I'm not going to be running to Twitter to tell people like this is a huge bet. Four unit, five unit bomb, 10 unit bomb. But I I do think I have to bet it against a flat ball server here against, you know, with a guy who can serve in his own right and is far more competent on the clay courts. Yeah, you just tip my scales. I actually just hit submit on it. (laughs) We're watching him do it, too. I'm like, don't feel great about it. He's got his phone. I know. I, I can retract the bet, too. <laughs> well, I mean, who one. doesn't love a good Ugo Umber fade? Let's be real. Oh. All right. Fokina versus Sachanov is a matchup I think is real dicey, and I think it's aligned appropriately. At, at basically, I mean, Fokina's plus 102, so it's not like true pick, but it's a small difference here between the favorite at minus 120. I think a better way to attack this is what we were talking about before and cover yourself with an outright um, or a quarter price on, on both these guys because whoever wins that, it, it's probably going to significantly drop and then you don't got to sweat. Aside in this one, could have something pretty juicy in pocket moving forward. I mean, just what John was saying earlier with Fokina's injury at Estoril, I, I think, yeah, you got to go with Hatchinoff here. And even though those guys played each other on those slow courts over in Indian Wells with the injury and everything. I think Hatchinoff should 
take the cake on this one. You're just going to fade uh, the, I, the finalist? Yeah, the- I may also be over. Well, he beat Djokovic here in the second round last year, too, to do that. And it was an amazing match, but it was typical ADF, right? Like, he just blitzed through three or four matches. He's the right-handed Shapovalov. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Um, in terms of talent versus tennis IQ disparity, like, there are no two guys who have the gulf between their tennis IQ and their talent, physical talent levels than those two on tour. You just, you won't convince me. But, you know, that match against Djokovic was incredible last year. I just don't know how sustainable his game is. And maybe I'm over, like, over um, weighting this this potential injury. MTOs happen all the time. Guys come back, especially the next week, and look fine. But it was a huge concern for me to see him just really struggle to generate breakpoint opportunities against Marco Cecchinato. Like, the guy is not the most... Like, he, he doesn't have the biggest serve. He doesn't place them all that well. I guess angle creation is is what he does, and that can actually work wonders against a guy like ADF who just plays balls to the wall, low-margin tennis. And he, you know, if you can move him and pull him up the court and force him to hit a ball well out of his optimal strike zone, he doesn't know how to just hit back with spin and wait for his chance. He just goes for it anyway. So perhaps that was it as well. But I do think the way he looked in that match as I was watching, like wondering why the hell can this guy not find he's at, he's too athletic. He hits, he's too aggressive and he's too talented on clay to not generate any break points. Right. I mean, he had break points, but you know what I mean? Like to not generate a lot more, far more break points than he did against a guy like checking out. So that really did weigh on my thinking, perhaps I'm overanalyzing it, but I think I've talked myself out. I was going to write up Hachan off as well. I think I've talked myself not only out of writing him up, but actually betting him in general and just, just sitting there with my 66 to one outright and hope he can clear a, a few rounds, right? It's only a 10th of a unit. I don't really care if he goes out early, but with that big number, if he can get to the fourth round or the third round of the quarterfinal, I think maybe oh, I'm going to start to get really interested in that, uh, that little ticket there. Andre Rublev is a four and a half game favorite and minus 450 on the money line versus Munar, who is plus. 345 as a dog the total is a 21 here i i i, I want to fade munar so bad i think he is so bad he is the type of guy that could draw out some unforced errors though from from rublev who, who loves to to not be good for long stretches the thing with rublev though is he can drop a set and co- still cover a four and a half especially um, against a munar especially against a munar yeah am i gonna be on another podcast laying huge games with <laughs> rublev uh, I think I am. I think I am going <laughs> to. Uh, um, I, I missed it with Kashmanovich uh, in Miami because I let the number scare me. I'm going to run into the fire here <laughs> and lay, lay the four and a half with Rublev once again and let this guy just fucking make me look like a fool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like my handicap to this match, obviously I'm being sarcastic here, but I feel like the handicap should be Munar won by a singular game against Marc-Andrea Huesler on mud slow clay courts. Therefore, he should be faded. Like, I feel like that's enough. That's all you should need. Like, dude, you could barely beat Marc-Andrea Huesler on, on like, non-altitude clay courts. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> Derek could beat Marc-Andrea Huesler on a, on yeah. a red clay court. With a bum <laughs> wrist. He was having a hard time holding serve. Oh my god. They both were actually yeah. in that match. Well, that makes sense because like Hughes, all he's got is his serve, but he's got nothing from the baseline. He's wild. Coming to the net doesn't work against a guy who can hit passing shots. And that's the thing is Munar is kind of underpowered. And that's why Rublev could very well take a 6-1 set with relative ease. And so that like you said, three sets, it's not on the realm of possibility. You lose a four, four, six, or a five, seven, get a six-one, you're right back in pole position again to, to potentially cover that four and a half, even three. 
I, yeah, I think the the books are onto something with this line, and I'm gonna lean into Rublev here. John, let's talk about uh, Luca Nardi, um, who I think is a player that you find pr- promising. He's a, a pretty heavy favorite here to play him. Um, versus uh, how do you say this guy's name? We have I don't think tennis hipster portion of the podcast. Yeah, a Masters yeah. 1000 main draw match between Valentin Vachro, ranked 357, and Luca Nardi, uh, ranked like what 159. Yeah, Nardi catches is a huge, uh, not a huge, but a decent sized dog at like plus 160 ish against Oscar Atta to to quality into this thing. He's now a minus 375 favorite. Talk a little Nardi, um, if you don't, maybe not so much a play, but um, maybe. Maybe put this guy on the on the radar for some people. Oh no, no! You want me to talk Nardi? You're getting a play. Um, yeah, I'm laying the games. It's funny that uh, that we go here because I am on this match. I will. I'm writing it up for betting experts, so you can check that out at bettingexpert.com/tennis. Quick plug. Uh, if you want the full kind of rundown, but essentially, Valentin Vasco is not a slow court player. He's also there is a difference in these two, in the levels of these two, like. Vashko lost his last match in Barletta to like Jeremy Jan, who is like a talented, but he's been injured for, I don't mean like a year or two. I mean like the last five or six years on and off battling injuries. He lost by six games to Eduardo Lavagno, who I was on that match. I got him at minus 135. That was a steal against Vashko. Lavagno is probably an underrated kind of high level ITF, low level challenger player on clay. Vashko is just trash on clay i'm sorry he's not good um he's a hard quarter and even then his hardcore hardcore title last year came at a very low level kind of weaker field asian challenger event i believe i think it was nantaburi i'm not 100 sure but i'm pretty sure it was nantaburi it might have been an american garbage event either way it was a like weaker field and he needs quicker courts he's not going to be good in the longer exchanges nardi is a high level talent wise he's a much higher ceiling than Vashko. Much like more well-rounded, uh, much better returner. He's got the multi-surface talent. Vashko does not, in my mind. The only concern here is the narrative that Vashko like is the Monegasque player, and the Monegasque tend to play up here. But that's just really Luca Katarina who pushed Taylor Fritz last year, and Taylor Fritz doesn't really do all that well in, in Monte Carlo. I don't think anyway. Slow, slow clay, and. This year, like, covered, I think, against Ugo Umber, who is just, you know, again, trash on clay. Like, he's not going to stomp players, even of Katarina's level. So, does Katarina covering a couple spreads mean that another Monegasque player in Vashko is just automatically going to cover a spread here? I don't think so. I honestly don't think that that's the case. I think four and a half is is probably uh, playable. It should be five to five and a half. And, of course, each one of those jumps as you get it to higher numbers is worth more and more. So I think when you see a four and a half here and it's over even money at Pinnacle, it's plus 103, that's ab- that's absolutely a play for me. I love it. Uh, there you go. Some hardcore Luca Nardi talk. That's what, you know, that's some solid content in the tennis <laughs> streets. Um, thank you, Mr. John Reed. All right, Dan Evans is coming in as a dog. At plus 120 versus my guy, Ilya Vashka, who has found himself here as a, a short favorite at minus 145. Games line is two. The total is at 22. Now, Ivashka qualified into this thing, uh, winning as a dog against Taro Daniel. A lot of people were on Daniel at around minus 140 in that match. I, I, I'm not sure why. I think it's just we haven't seen a lot of Ivashka lately, and we've seen a lot of Daniel. So, 
made made sense for people to back Daniel, I guess. But uh, I, I feel like if Oscar can do some things on on clay here, uh, once famously took a set off Nadal on clay. <laughs> Josh shaking his head. That's his highest marks. I, I just hate, I hate Ivashka and Mackie <laughs> McDonald for for one primary reason. If you go back to 2021, these two have been dirt on the dirt their whole careers. Then in 2021, they go combined 25 and 10 on clay. And I lost so much bleeping money fading these two annoying hard quarters on clay that year. I have I will forever hate Ivashka and McDonald for that um season on clay. I would have been on Daniel on on Sunday as well. I was so close. I took the day off, I think, betting or or posting, and I was like, nah, just leave it. And I saw that he won in three, and I was like, oh my God, thank the Lord. Cause I would have tilted so hard losing Taro Daniel on a slow court to Ilya freaking Ivashka again. <laughs> uh, but look, the world is restored. They both sucked on clay last year, McDonald and Ivashka. Uh, I faded McDonald today and won it with Gakoff. So screw you, Mackie. Kidding. I actually love Mackie McDonald, but not on clay. Um, I'm going to actually leave this one alone, I think. I, I'd love to go Evans. And I'd love to fade Ivashka. But I think the proper move here is just, it's properly priced, I guess. I would just wait until next round and see if I can find a decent price or decent angle to fade either. Whoever wins this match, I don't give a damn who wins it. Don't feel like putting money on the line in this one, though. I agree. Ivashka 5-8 and eight in the last year. On clay, yeah. And let's keep it moving here. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to play this one, but I, I do, I do, I am an Ivashka guy traditionally. But at minus one forty-five, he could easily lose this match to Evans. Uh-huh. Um, now this one I don't understand. All right, Mio Kashmanovic, who I've been trying to fade, I think is a fade, but he's even money against Lorenzo Musetti, who is a minus one twenty-two favorite. I mean, and he is the ultimate fade right now. <laughs> the total is at 22. Uh, is this like just because Kashmanovich is at a coming off a long week? Um, it feels very uh, trappy. Uh, and uh, I think we have a new rule on this podcast. If the, the term trap comes up organically. Yeah. <laughs> this Wait. one feels very naturally trappy. Like I would not expect <laughs> Kekmanovich to be the dog here. What am I? What am I missing here? Yeah, I think I think uh, you know my philosophy on traps. If you see it, you walk straight forward and smash your foot right into that bear trap. Um, that's my philosophy. And How does guess it work what, out, guys? Guess what? Guess who wrote this matchup for the action network? <laughs> guess what side I took? <laughs> Did you write the word trap in the write up or what? No. <laughs> I should have. I should have actually written it. I should go back uh, before it gets edited and write exactly that. I, uh, you know, this seems trappy, but true to form, I'm going to smash my foot right in that trap. Yeah, this has trap alert written all over it in capital letters <laughs> with really asterisks on both sides. You just I mean, know Muzetti's going to play his best match of the season on clay. You know it's coming. Yeah. And I am ready for the anger and ready for the tilt. I am so ready for it. <laughs> if he wins, it would be the best match of the year so far. In a while. Since Cup, yeah. It... yeah. Oh, my God. That is hilarious. <laughs> all right. Well, let's fuck it. Let's do it all together. I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna bet Kashmanovich right now. <laughs> all right, dude. Oh, we're just adding the we're adding the Uh-oh. three the the trio the trio agreement curse uh-huh. to it too. We have no chance. 
No, he's a hundred percent gonna play his best. Um <laughs> yeah. Like this is gonna be a sweat, but I still think Kekmanovic is gonna win. Isn't Musetti's like two of his how many wins does he have this year? Like four or something like that? And two of them are at the ATP Cup against guys that are ranked over like a hundred and something. Kershmanovich had a pretty good week. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, right. he was in front of him. He he is a clay quarter by by nature, right? So, I mean, uh, it's like, look, if I don't mind if you're like, ah, oh, just don't bet it. It's a really close match. I get that. If it was like minus one twenty five for Kachmanovich. even then I think I I could justify a bet. I have this. I I put my number in the article. I uh, it, it's between minus one thirty five and minus one forty five for me. Somewhere in there is the true price. Uh, that's the range of uh, kind of percentages I came down to. So even minus 120, I could be like, eh. but like, come on, even money, dude, that is a trap. I'm happy to step in if I lose. Like, I have to. All right. Well, what about laying the six and a half games with Novak Djokovic versus uh, Gakov? Pass. Pass? No. Let's, First let's... match on Clay. He's had trouble in the past with this. I know there's no chance he's going to lose to Gakov, but yeah, no pass for me. All right, Sitsipas is a five-game favorite versus Ben Bonzi. Anything you like in this one? I'm still going to wait out of round to see how Sitsipas' shoulder's holding up. I, I know he said that he's painless, but I mean, like, last few tournaments where he says that he's going through pain, that didn't really help him out very much. I can see him just straight-up lying and saying that he's pain-free, but I don't know. I'm staying off this one for the first round, and then I'll probably play Sitsipas the second round judging on how or if he wins. Yeah, uh, I'm very close to laying the games. Just Bonzi is just, he doesn't have a great resume on clay. He doesn't have the requisite power to get through Sitsi Pass. I don't know what he does to trouble him. I don't know if he can come to net as effectively as he might need to because the baseline is just going to be dominated by Steph. I think this should probably be like, the the most likely range of outcomes for me do include, uh, you know, 6-2, a lot of 6-3, six, 6-3s. Three, six, a lot of six four six threes, which again, if the majority of your results are are either pushing or cashing, I do think you're you're probably okay playing a minus five. But yeah, I, I think I'm with Derek here. You might with such a, a large spread, it, your your numbers might like it, but it might be smart to wait out and make sure he's not full of BS, and make sure that he can hit that the normal backhands and he can uh, play those longer matches on clay. All right. Well, we have. A string of solid dogs here in a row. Uh, Jack Draper plus 130 versus Hubie Hercash, who Hubie is minus 155 uh, on the money line here. Now, Hubie obviously has uh, a larger clay resume than Mr. Draper, um, but Hubie is obviously very uh, beatable at the moment, uh, attackable. I mean, farts? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I definitely think the set one. What's this? Do they have the set one over already up here? I can check. For oh my gosh! Nine and a half at minus one thirty-five. Oh, that's auto, a play. Auto play. Set one over. Oh, I'm actually really annoyed because I wrote this up for Action Network and I wrote up the over twenty-two and a half, and I honestly think that the set one over ten and a half at plus two twenty-five is a better number than the over twenty-two and a half at minus one. 27 overall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that play. I'm with you on that. And I don't hate Draper, but I mean, 
I think the best bet is the over the set one over. I mean, this guy now watch it go six three, but I mean, <laughs> it's the first time in how long with him? Yeah, I think it's just you you, you bet it till it falls off. Now I have made myself a, a card carrying member of the Struf Fader Club. Uh, however, he's coming in as a plus one forty dog to Alex Demonor, who's minus one seventy on the money line here. Uh, you could stand to reason, or you you could make a case that that feels light with Demonor, which makes me feel like there's a lot of value uh, on the plus one forty with Struf, and, and the books uh, are sniffing something here. I mean, Struf qualified into this thing. Demon or not exactly a a clay demon. Um, yeah, I kind of like Struve Moneyline here, plus 140. I think that's worth a half unit of your bankroll. We're going to get another read ran about Demon here or what? No, I mm- played Murray today, and honestly, that's what, Ugh. like, Demon took my money again, but, like, I can't even be upset because the only person I like less than Alex Demon or is freaking Andy Murray. So it's <laughs> what I get. I put my clown mask on and bet the two biggest clowns on tour. I deserve to lose money. It's no rant. I mean, hey, that's uh, be stupid, get you know, earn stupid, play stupid games, get stupid, whatever that expression is. There's my read rant. Play stupid <laughs> games, get stupid prizes, or whatever, win stupid prizes. Jesus. Now we had our. Uh, Underreported, I think, or maybe it was more reported than I I noticed, but uh, Murray's only played like three clay matches in the last like six years or something like that. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, okay. Well, not that he that makes it past the first round very much in clay tournaments, yeah. but okay, that was pretty still stupid only three. Of me. Well, I mean, he beat Team and Shapovalov in Madrid last year before withdrawing. He saw Djokovic in his, as his next match. He's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm hurt. It's cold and my hip hurts, so I'm out. Demon is 10-7 and seven in, uh, on clay the last year, so he's not terrible on the surface. His career, he's so though, frustratingly, like, picks up random wins. But he's beaten. Okay, look, look who he's beaten. And this is what I always say, like, Yasuke Watanuki, hard quarter, quick quarter. Ugo Umber, hard quarter, quick quarter. Uh, Tommy Paul, hard quarter. Pedro Martinez, just trash at life. Lloyd Harris, hard quarter, quick quarter. That was six love, and then he also retired. Also trash at life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugo Umber again. Uh, like, and that was in three sets this time. Once again, hard quarter, quick quarter, flat baller. That's six. Those are six of his nine wins in 2022. Then he beat Dushan Lajevic. I'll give that some respect. He beat Bernabe Zapatamirayes, who was not the same guy as he was this year, and Cam Nori, who still had not shown it, is not comfortable on clay. Like, sorry, these are not great clay wins. He yeah. lost to Alcaraz, lost to Rublev, lost to Sinner badly, lost to Zverev, lost to Molchan, and lost to Gaston. Gaston beat him in the first round of the French. Our boy, our boy Hugo. Beats him in a fifth set tie break as a plus 370 dog. So I'm still not sold on Demon Arm. I'm sorry. The wins just aren't the best wins. Even this one against Murray. Like like you said, he's played three matches on clay in six years. Where's the good win? Nori? Struf also has a win on hardcourt versus Demon in 2020 at uh, Cincinnati. Um, lots I'm probably going to avoid then. fading him here. but Lots changed since then, but... 
worth noting, I think. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I've noticed lately that um, I mean, at least last week I was like, oh, I wanted that bigger dog price, and then I just left money on the table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sniffing that here with uh, Stroop, so I'm I'm, I'm going to back Stroop. Uh, I'm also going to back Stan Morinka at plus one seventy one versus Taylor Fritz. Uh, maybe the plus three. Um, I just Warinka, I've been fading this guy left and right, and he's been killing me left and right. Uh, so I, if you can't beat him, join him situation for me. And, uh, he's a former champ here. Fritz getting onto this surface for the first time, not exactly the best clay quarter in the world. I mean, he's just going to fucking, this is what's going to happen. He's going to rally with Marinka, rally with Marinka, then he's going to go long. He's going to fuck up. And Marinka's just going to fucking old man this guy out of this fucking tournament <laughs> at plus 171. Yeah. And, and here's, here's again, something worth noting. Fritz has played Monte Carlo now in 2019, I guess. He, he beat like Songa, old Songa via retirement, uh, and Schwartzman. Okay whatever then he got crushed by Djokovic then he doesn't play this in 2020 or I don't think it played in 2020 pardon me never mind uh he loses to Bautista Gut in the first round 2021 and then last year he actually made a run to the quarters but oh. again he barely beat Katarina he needed three sets beat Marin old Marin Cilic on slow clay and barely gets by Korda 7-6-7-5 then loses to ADF uh, I, I don't think he's terrible on clay per se but I think this is a tough matchup for him. Like, Vavrinka has power to hit with him. And he plays a much heavier ball. And I just wonder how Taylor's going to really adjust to being on a surface that he isn't all that fond of. Playing someone who can hit with him and playing someone who adds that dimension of, like, the top spin that Vavrinka hits with makes it such a heavy ball. It's not just the power. The heaviness takes a lot of, like, energy out of you to return. And they're not very attackable either. Even if he leaves a ball... Um, not short, but if a ball looks attackable, bounces nice and high into your your strike zone on your forehand wing, doesn't matter. You try and hit that too hard, you're going to spray an error. Uh, this is a pretty good matchup on on this surface for Stan Vavrinka, especially in that plus 150 to plus 175 range. I think anywhere in there, maybe plus 155 instead of plus 150. Plus 155 to plus 175, I think you've got a playable number. Uh, well, Rinka's like a siren out there. He lulls these people... Into these long rallies, uh, and then eventually the other side just fucks up. And I guess what's gonna happen? Fritz is gonna hit it long, and then he's gonna like make a really pain face to his box. I'm like, what the heck? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not me. It's never me. I don't understand. Like, ah. I like Taylor Fritz. I think he gets too much shit. But yes, no, yeah. I like Fritz. I just think, um, I, I mean, he's just very. I've watched a lot of Fritz, and it's exactly what's going to happen. Um, okay. Bodic VDZ is getting four and a half games versus Casper Rude, a guy he just beat in Miami. And Rude is minus 350 on the money line. Bodic is plus 275. Bodic picked up a nice dog win today. The total is 21 and a half. Um, Rude just won a title. Classic move. Fade the guy off a, a title. 
Um, I think taking the games here with Bodic is pretty decent. Maybe even what's the set? Minus 105 just to win a set. I think that's a pretty good pretty good bet. Um, I mean, does Rude just straight up beat guys down? I don't know. I, what? Eh. <laughs> that's does he beat Bodic down is the question. Like, does he beat? Yeah, I mean, he, he crushed Seba Baez last week. He handled Kichmanovich. I mean, Kichmanovich had a better second set, but still handled him. Joao Souza got smacked around after that first set. I mean, he, he can. Like, he can absolutely dominate. He can return decently. And he did pick up form as he went in um, Estoril. I will say that. Like, he's played a great match. Uh, but outside of that, he crushed Baez, crushed Kichmanovich for all intents and purposes, regardless of the second set scoreline. And, and Vatnazanskop was not that inspiring today. He had to come back from a set and breakdown. He was the last playoff my card today in uh, Monte Carlo. And of course, the one time I scratched the guy, he comes back from a set and breakdown. Never get those set and breakdown wins. Would have happened at a plus 120. I left him off. I, I don't know. I'm just not inspired by his play the last couple of weeks. And I think Root is the aggressor. He's got the bigger forehand. He's got the heavier ball. And, and Bodic kind of... Plays that not pushy, but very consistent game. Doesn't have a ton of attacking prowess. And I think he's kind of at the whims of his opponents. All right, maybe a pass on this one. But uh, I do think uh, Boda could be kind of live off the... Just because of the long week uh, with Brood off the title. Um, those are always uh, classic or quintessential fade opportunities. Casper did win like three titles in a row. A couple of years ago, right? I mean, there were all those tournaments that no one really cares about. Those clay tournaments after the, the swing, the golden season. swing, yeah, yeah. Oh wait, oh, and it was yeah was the in... post, yeah, it was the post uh, post French Open clay, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if fatigue's really a factor here. Is what I'm saying. Right. All right. I think he, we're has, all he pro- has a buy too. I think he does. Uh, I think we're all on Dolo versus Bertini. Correct. I am. I for sure am. I could not believe that he was actually a dog here. I mean, the way that Bertini's been playing. This no. is a, a poor backhand off. And then, what, he beat Cressy this morning? And Cressy's been playing somehow worse than Bertini. Well, Cressy stinks. Yeah, he racked up 14 double faults this morning. Perfect. <laughs> but it's going to be a display of two guys who really stink at the backhand. Or stink with their backhand. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Nico Hari? Um, laying three games versus Poprin. I feel like this is kind of a matchup of similar dudes, and one guy is a more true clay quarter. Yeah, and I, I mean, look at that too. He's over minus two hundred on the money line, right? And only laying three games. I think it tells you all you need to know about how these guys play. It is a very, very serve-oriented matchup. Like when you're a dollar forty-five, which I think is what minus two twenty-five-ish. Um, and you're only laying three games on clay. Kind of indicative of where this is. I don't even disagree with that, though. I think it should probably be three and a half. I think it would normally be three and a half to four in this spot. You adjust for two servers. You get down to three. I don't know. I think, I think that's still pretty much a hardcore price. But uh, I, I'm intrigued by, by Hardy on that minus three. Not by the money line, but by the minus three. Let's uh, set one over here. Uh, they don't have... uh, the over is... Oh, interesting. Uh, they have nine and a half at minus one forty-five here for the over. Yeah, but Hubie has played like ninety-eight percent of his matches to the first set over is only minus one thirty-five. I don't, I don't get it. 
I, I truly don't get it. Um, Hari is like minus 105 just to win in straights. I mean, that's not a bad price. I think this guy could dust this guy in two. Yeah, and I think you're getting some overvaluation here on Popper. And we saw how bad he was on the clay last week against Dan Evans, who is no clay quarter himself. Typically hasn't been great in his career, but he's beaten, uh, again, Vit Tripriva. I almost bet him in that first qualities match. He's a challenger player, but he is a clay quarter, uh, but very volatile. Benoit Pair, he was, again, like, Popperian has won three matches here, but make no mistake, like, Lajevic isn't in great form. Tropriva was a three-set match he had to come back from, and he didn't just have to come back from 6-2 down against Pair. He had to come back from 6-2-5-1 down. Like, he lost that match. If he doesn't, if he plays anyone else but Benoit Pair, he's out. Right? I don't know why Popperian's getting the respect of only being a three-game dog here, or, like you said, almost even money to just not win a set against a guy like Nico Hadi, who's not going to let you off the hook, who has a big serve and who is also natural on clay. He's got that kind of dual weaponry. I like it. All right. Well, last one we'll talk about here. Yannick Sinner, minus five and a half on the game line against Diego Schwartzman, who has been the ultimate fade in 2023. Him and Musetti are like the two quintessential faders and Berrettini. Um, I would say those guys have been pretty good ROI in terms of uh, just bidding against them. Um, Schwartzman. I mean, this is a uh, tough one for Schwartzman because uh, his, you know, does, <laughs> he's not even the more natural clay guy here. Center's pretty good on clay. Um, I mean, the 2-0 is minus 175. You could argue that, I mean, is Schwartzman going to sniff a set? The only thing is if Center just stumbles out of the gate and has a slow start. Aye, aye, aye. You got minus 175 for the 2-0? Yeah. It's minus 210 on Bovada. Oh, wow. Oh, there's a set spread. Set spread. Minus, minus one and a one half, and half is minus 175. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Bovada's drunk, and they're just laying well, lines yeah. up. Always make sure you you shop lines, not just across books, but at the same book, too. Sometimes the two nothings and minus one and a half sets, which is the same bet. Uh, can be uh, off like that. Anything with uh, Sinner Schwartzman, kind of an uninspiring match. Fun to watch, though, but uh, I don't feel like there's uh, anything I'm, I'm, I'm hot to bet here. Yeah, I mean, I know you said no parlay pieces earlier in the pod, <laughs> but at minus 175 for minus one and a half sets, not bad if you're a parlay guy. I watched Diego today, and I'll say it's probably the best match I've watched of him of all his clay court matches this year. I just hate that he runs into Sinner here. I was like, oh, maybe he builds up a little bit of a head of steam here after a pretty damn good match. Like, uh, not his peak, not what he used to be, but he was close. He, he, he looked a lot better than a lot of what he's done. Good angles, good aggressive backhands, a lot of balls back, waiting for errors, uh, covering the court, retrieving balls, hitting um, – you know, side to side, kind of constructing points, which he has to do to find any winners to hit through the court. Thought it was good. Just, and then I looked at his draw. I'm like, oh my God, he finally plays a good match. Maybe we start to see a bit of momentum come into play and he gets Yannick freaking center in the second round. Well, good night to that run. One match, that whole win streak of one gone. <laughs> it was going to happen either way, no matter who we play the second <laughs> round. <laughs> Well, we've reached the end uh, of Monte Carlo so far. If you liked what you heard, give us a, a follow on uh, your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MP9Tennis. Follow 
John at Tibbetts Tennis at JR Tweets Tennis. Follow Derek at Forever vs. Nagal. Uh, we will be back um, later this week. Going to try to uh, have a few episodes for this thousand event uh, as we have for the, the, the two Sunshine Double Thousands. So we'll be back before you know it. Until next time, see you on the court.